Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. to yesterday's episode i told you it would be a step back and unfortunately the lakers weren't able to overcome it they lose to the dallas mavericks and there are plenty of things to talk about coming out of this one i'm going to start macro here sometimes i like to start micro and work your way out in this case i want to start macro here for with, with a couple of points um first and foremost and I know this is a, a, a loaded word with uh, professional athletes, but I have said all season that this is a very uh, entitled Lakers bunch where, uh, you know, we see what it looks like when they are fully engaged and they go out and they win the in-season tournament, right? Um, and we also see what it looks like when they are not. And we, we see what it looks like when they uh, allow the game to dictate the terms and they allow the other team to dictate the terms of that game and the terms of, uh, you know, in the way that that game is going to play out. And I thought in this one, you know, it's one thing, it's one thing to like have a stinker every so often that happens. It's an 82 game season in the Lakers case this year, they'll play 83 games this regular season. Over the course of that many games, eventually you're going to have games of all kinds and stinkers of all kinds and great games of all kinds. To me, what annoyed me about this game was how predictable this approach was going to be. I, I just knew coming off of the in-season tournament with a few days off, uh, playing against a team that didn't have Kyrie Irving, uh, Dallas was on the second night of a back-to-back, there was every excuse in the book that the Lakers could use to not take the Dallas Mavericks seriously. And they did so, you know, and I, I really think that, you know, this team has a proclivity for not respecting the sport and not respecting their competition. Case in point. Yeah. Uh, Dante Exum came into this game shooting 29% from three point range. He then proceeded to shoot. Uh, where's his number here? Yeah, he started. So seven of nine from three-point range, some of which were huge, and they just look like practice shots. And, you know, yeah, I'm not saying that you got to sell out to make sure that he can't shoot anymore, but you certainly, like, maybe just once run him off the free the, the three-point line. Maybe, like, maybe once get into his airspace when he's shooting one of those shots. Once it appears that he is, uh, you know, 
on fire. Like it, it, it honestly was a fire hazard. He was a fire hazard out there. Like the, the his teammates couldn't high five him after he was making his threes because they were concerned that they would get third degree burns. And the only person, the only people who didn't seem to have any interest in adjusting was the Lakers. Like the, the Mavericks started hunting, you know, they, they started putting Exum in spots where he could get open looks because they knew that the Lakers weren't going to adjust. And, you know, again, like I'm not saying that you pay less attention to Luka Doncic simply because Dante Exum and Grant Williams are out of their minds. Grant Williams, he went five of seven from three-point range. So you have these two guys who are shooting below or around 30% on the season from three-point range, and they make 12 of their 16 attempts. Uh, like, to a certain extent, you're just going to lose that game with that outlandish um, a shooting from two guys aren't who aren't going to hit. But I also think that the Lakers didn't do enough to like break up their rhythm in any real way. And, and again, it just kind of goes back to the lack of adjustments that we tend to see from Darvin Ham or, or maybe if not lack of, but certainly like how long it takes to adjust to different circumstances within a game. And this one, this should have been an easy one. Like this should, and, and the other thing too is, he seemed to adjust coming into this game from what won the Lakers, the in-season tournament. Uh, yeah, the Lakers didn't have Jared Vanderbilt here, but you still had Max Christie available. You still had Cam Reddish available. Um, like there are enough wings to, to, you know, present some different offerings to uh, a, a, a Dallas team that is a very efficient scoring threat all over the court. And no, in, instead here, and I'll talk about this here in a second, um, the, the Lakers instead went soft with their approach and it burned them. Like they just couldn't get a stop down the stretch of the game um, as as the game was in, in uh, you know, winning territory. The Lakers just didn't get any stops whatsoever. They didn't do a very good job uh, keeping the Mavericks off of the offensive glass. In this one, the, the Mavericks grabbed 12 offensive rebounds, right? And they all felt like they resulted in three-point attempts or three-point makes uh, in, in this one. And, and yeah, like if you're, if you don't show a team or a player in this case proper respect, you do open yourself up to getting burned. And in this case, the Lakers got burned time and time and time and time again. And and like what annoyed me about the way that they were guarding Exum is that they it's one thing if you are leaving Exum and the traps that you are, you know, setting elsewhere that you are sacrificing attention on on Exum in the corner. Um, it's one thing if those traps are having any impact on the game whatsoever or if, you know, pre rotations were having any impact on the game. But oftentimes it was just guys just wandering away. And again, and, and, and I, I'm using that term for a reason here. It, it literally looked like they were like meandering away from where Exum or any shooter was standing. And the Lakers just throughout this game found themselves in no man's land. And again, like, you know, at some point there's got to be an adjustment. You know, at some point 
you look out there and, and like the one adjustment that we saw from this one was Darvin Ham playing Jackson Hayes and Anthony Davis together to help with some of the rebounding issues. But like we've seen Torian Prince not be a good rebounder all year. We've seen D'Angelo Russell not be a good rebounder all year. We watched D'Angelo Russell basically suck for most of this game. He played 25 minutes and none of those minutes. I never felt to myself, oh, thank God D'Lo's out there. Um, no, I, I I thought it was a weird, you know, the, the way that the minutes were doled out were weird. Christie only played six minutes, was a plus five in those six minutes. Um, <laughs> Cam Reddish only plays 22 minutes for some reason against a team that like you desperately need wing defense with. It's just, it was a really weird, you know, and again, we continue to get more minutes of the uh, Austin D'Lo Torian Prince combination. You just keep throwing that pitch out there and watch it, watching it get hammered out of the park, you know, time in time out every time we see it. And, and no, it's just, it's just, it was, a, it was a weird game and and it was an annoying game in how predictable this effort was. At some point, the Lakers, you know, are going to have to find it within themselves to, you know, play with a little bit of urgency, even if the situation doesn't necessarily call for it. Like at some point, you just got to compete. And you know, in this Western Conference, if you you know regularly enough just kind of fart away games like this one. This this is a game that I come at the end of the season, the Lakers are in the play-in, or if they miss the play-in or whatever, by a, a single game. I'm going to look back on this one. Dallas was on the second night of a back-to-back. -back, no Kyrie Irving, no Derek Jones Jr., um, no you know Dwight Powell, and I don't believe Maxi Kleba played in this one either. Uh, it was a shorthanded Dallas Mavericks team that just like wanted it more. They they just, you know, you had Tim Hardaway Jr. Not only was he scoring everywhere, but he took three charges, you know, in this one. I don't believe the Lakers took a charge in this game. It was just, and, and again, like it was just extra possessions given up on the defensive side of the ball when guys, I, the Lakers must lead the league in you know, seconds in which their guys just have their hands down by their sides. And maybe they're, they're, you know, being led by example with Darwin spending so much time with his hands in his pockets on the side of his body that everybody's like, well, that's, that's natural playing position, right? That's natural engaged position. Um, no, this is, this is a really frustrating loss. And this is uh, particularly frustrating just because you knew it was what was going to happen heading in. You hoped that, that the Lakers would be able to make enough plays to overcome the, 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 the kind of lazy approach to this game, but they didn't. And now you have to make up for it elsewhere. The other annoying part of this one is again, that so the Lakers had developed this identity and it was an identity that I had, bought so far into that I said, if this is their identity, they can win a championship. And that identity was wave after wave after wave of length on the perimeter, physicality, athleticism, give a bleep, right? And, you know, maybe that, that Pelicans game, right? 
the Pelicans were competitive at the beginning. I think it was a one-point game after the, the, the first quarter. And then gradually, the, the Lakers just kind of suffocate them, right? That's essentially what, like, anacondas do is, you know, there's fight at the beginning of it. But eventually that, you know, the prey basically, like, tuckers itself out. And every time the prey exhales, the, the anaconda squeezes a little harder. And every time they exhale again, the, the, the anaconda squeezes a little harder. And eventually there's just no room to exhale or, or to inhale. And, um, and that's how like that just becomes over. And that's basically what the Lakers defense was doing to teams is, yeah, you get a little fight at the beginning, but then like the harder, you know, that, that, that defense makes them work real hard. And it became, it becomes harder and harder and harder to get a bucket over the course of the game. And, and eventually the team just kind of realizes that the, op, uh, the opposing team just kind of like realizes this is tough and there is now no room to inhale. And, and so like, that was, that was a, a really cool advantage that the Lakers were developing for themselves. And yet in this one, I guess simply because Jared Vanderbilt wasn't available, they go completely, completely away from it, you know, and, and you get, you get uh, 37 minutes of Torian Prince who played fine, you know, played, you know, five of six from three point range. He wasn't necessarily the problem, certainly offensively, but you get 29 minutes of Rui Hachimura who didn't play very well. And every time Lucas saw him in front of him, all it takes apparently to get by Rui is just a quick jab step. And Rui is somewhere over yonder and, and, uh, you know, and, and, and Luca can just kind of get whatever he wants. And, and you just kept getting that combination throughout the court over the course of the game. And, you know, it, it's just, I, I don't know if it's, if it was a, a conscious decision because playing that way defensively is very taxing. And maybe the Lakers wanted to see if they could win in a, in a little easier way, but they didn't in this one. And by the way, that's been the case all year. If the Lakers have relied on their offense to win them games, the offense hasn't been good enough to do that. And, and so like going back to that and, and hearkening back to that identity, again, it just kind of speaks to the way that Darvin Ham sees the game and, uh, you know, and his kind of ideological approach to it where I, you know, he wants to get as much offensive talent onto the court as possible and that is kind of how he he leans, uh, whether it's creative talent, whether it is finishing talent, whether it is spacing talent. Um, that ha- that's kind of what he prefers to play. That's why the Lakers keep going back to D'Lo, Austin, and Prince, despite the stats screaming at everybody at this point, it's not working. Um, Ham, uh, you know, this is the way that he kind of appears to see the sport. And this is his kind of approach to coaching in the sport. And I would hope, I was hoping, and this is why I kept asking people, I, I you know, whether it was on the air, um, in a question that I asked Jovan, is this an identity that the Lakers are comfortable committing to? I asked people behind the scenes um, in, in research for shows and in conversations that I do for shows. Like, it is the kind of thing that I do find myself always kind of wondering is, this is clearly 
the best way for the Lakers to win games. That defensive identity, that suffocating and swarming defensive identity, that is the best way for the Lakers to win basketball games. Except that that isn't necessarily how Darwin sees things in, in terms of like how he would prefer to see the Lakers win games. And most coaches will just say, you win however you can. And I get that. Sure. But, you know, for, for, from my standpoint, especially having watched LeBron and AD win a championship through that type of suffocating and swarming defensive identity, that's again, something that I would prefer to watch. That's how I would prefer to watch the Lakers play, especially now that we have seen the results look the way that they have. And in this one, if the Lakers just play any defense down the stretch whatsoever, this is probably a very different game. They lost by two. Three of those points were were made up with a LeBron three, you know, as the clock expired or whatever. Um, so it wasn't necessarily that close. The Lakers were down double digits, I would say, for most of like the the most of three quarters, and then eventually fought back and took a lead going into the fourth. Real bummer that that stat or that streak of winning however many games in a row uh, where the Lakers led coming into the fourth uh, period that that streak is now over but yeah i um i jason puts it well here um on on you know in, in with a uh with a premium comment uh which by the way shouts to jason shouts to everybody um subscribing and, and leaving these types of comments but you cannot lose this game it seems like darvin is capable but he shoots himself in the foot uh darvin's coaching shouldn't lack effort thanks and yeah i, I would that's the thing is that like this feels like a game where he kind of shot himself in the foot with approach and 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 then never, you know, never really responding to the way that the game was going is again, it's just it's just really kind of annoying is I don't I wouldn't go so far as to say it's disheartening. I wouldn't even necessarily go so far as to say it's concerning yet. Um, I'm hoping over the course of this second season, Darwin starts to grow a little bit and starts, you know, moving off of his ideological approach to the sport. But it is annoying. It is frustrating. And this is certainly a very frustrating loss that, you know, even given how predictable the effort was, it it, it doesn't make it any less than, you know, it, well, it's because of how predictable it was that that is a, a loss that is going to sting here a little bit moving forward. Now moving into the micro aspects of this. So AD plays 37 minutes, scores 37 points, grabs 11 rebounds, 15 of 21 from the field, one of two from three-point range, six of 10 from the free throw line. Um, very good game. Great game from Anthony Davis. LeBron James, 40 minutes, 14 of 27 from the field, three of eight from three-point range. Uh, he's starting to regress a little bit, I've kind of noticed. Um Two of three from three from the free throw line. Really weird that he only shot three free throws in this one. Uh, but 33 points, nine assists, eight boards, three steals, a block. Um, so that like if you are going to get 70 points from LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you have to win that game. If they are going to play 37 and 40 minutes apiece, you have to win that game. And uh, it is just, it, it, it really is a giant missed opportunity. 
it, that that you get all of that from those two guys and you aren't able to turn it into something. And this is again where not having a point guard, a a kind of prototypical point guard um kind of hurts you because AD had 35 points going into the fourth period. He finishes with 37. LeBron, um, I don't think got very many opportunities. I'm going to go through here play-by-play in the fourth period to see how often LeBron had opportunities. Um, So he made a layup uh, 15 seconds into the quarter and then made another layup a few minutes later and then uh, makes a two-point shot uh, a couple minutes after that. So that's six points. Then he makes another layup, eight points in the quarter, uh, offensive foul, turnover from LeBron. Um, Let's go here. And that's it for until until, uh, LeBron makes that three-pointer late in the game. Uh, we'll look at AD here, right? So Anthony Davis, again, entered with uh, maybe at 34 points. AD doesn't get an, att- an attempt until five minutes left in the game. He makes a layup, and then he gets fouled uh, a play later, it looks like, and splits the free throws, um, makes another two-pointer later in the game, and... That was with three minutes left. And then we don't see anything from AD for the remainder of the game. And yeah, that is just when you're going away from LeBron James and when you're going away from from AD and they were, I guess LeBron was a little bit more present in the fourth quarter offensively than, than it felt. But yeah, it's just, you know, sometimes what teams will do is they'll kind of play possum and they will give you the matchup that you're looking for because it takes away from the other matchup that they're a little bit more nervous about. And it felt like Dallas in this one kept giving Austin Reeves opportunities um, and they kept basically making it so that he had to keep the ball in his hands and they gave him an okay enough uh, matchup that he felt like he needed to attack. And that essentially winds up taking the ball out of LeBron's hands. And, um, you know, credit to Kidd for doing that and credit to Dallas for executing that. But, yeah, it was was weird how easy it felt to take LeBron and AD kind of out of the fourth quarter. And so if you aren't getting stops on one end and you aren't taking advantage of what LeBron offers on the offensive end, that's how you lose closed fourth quarters. And uh, the, the the fourth quarter, you know, there was like, I think like eight minutes or so to go in the game. And and I said to the guys on, on uh, All Access Lakers today who I was doing the game with, I said like, man, I really wish the Lakers hadn't taken that lead going into this period because I feel like that streak is going to end tonight uh, because this just feels like a loss. It feels like one of those games that the Lakers are going to make one or two too many mistakes and it's going to wind up biting them to the tune of a loss. And, you know, lo and behold, that's kind of what it looked like. They got, you know, no stops basically in the fourth period. Um, They, you know, I don't, I don't, it's just, it's just, it was, it was, it's a stupid loss. And uh, I, I think this is where no matter if the Lakers bring in 
a primary ball handler, if they bring in another wing, if they, whatever they turn D'Angelo Russell into, um, they, they need to find somebody or ideally this would be your coach to like, take a time out and remind everybody, Hey, yeah, the two best players on the team, we should maybe keep them involved in the fourth period. Just thought, you know, just a, a notion throwing it out there. A uh, a comment, you know, I'll put a comment in t- into the comment box. A a uh, you know, just an idea. I'm an idea. I'm an idea guy. You know, let's get the ball to LeBron. Let's try that. Let's get the ball back to AD. Let's try that. Um, but no, instead the Lakers, uh, I think, kind of mess around a little bit too much, and 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 it winds up costing them. Uh, let's go. Jason again asks uh, confidence in us without Braun and or AD tomorrow. I think AD plays because he has made a point of being available um, this season. So my guess is AD plays in this one. LeBron. Well, he's playing. It's a Wemby game. And like, you know, for, for those who have wondered, um, and it's I'm surprised that nobody else has made this point in listening to the reaction over the last few days to the Lakers beating the crap out of the Pelicans like they did last Thursday. Nobody has made the point that LeBron has specifically gone at Zion basically since Zion came into the league with all of the hype, right? Remember, Zion was called the best prospect coming out of college or entering the NBA uh, since LeBron and... Yeah, LeBron has always seemed to take that matchup very personally. Surprised that point hasn't been made very much. And I feel like if that's what he does with Zion, you know, maybe he he takes that same approach with Wemby. The Spurs have lost 17 games in a row. Um, please extend that to 18. I have like a weird kind of uneasy feeling about this game tomorrow, whether or not those guys play. Because like, look, they played in this one. Like those guys were available and they were great in this one and the Lakers lost regardless. And and I think it's, again, it, it kind of goes back to how kind of entitled I think this Lakers team can be or is right until they prove me wrong more consistently. I think you can use that term to describe them. And, uh, and that, that goes all the way up to, to coaching too, where, you know, I know a lot of times a cliche is if you lose to Dante Exum threes, you just kind of lose to Dante Exum threes. And that's kind of true to a certain extent. Right. But once the guy is like, you know, four or five, six of seven in that range or whatever, you, you get a hand up, you, you like try to break his rhythm in some way. Um, Even if that player isn't a historically very good shooter, you just don't want to, you don't want to just forfeit. Right. Um, and in this one, it felt like the Lakers just kind of forfeited as soon as it looked like Dante Exum was going to be the player to beat them. And, you know, I, with, with how tight this conference is going to be, the Lakers, I think had they won this one could have jumped all the way up to third in the standings. And now are probably going to be sitting around like the eight or 10 area, depending on if Phoenix beats the Warriors. So yeah, this is a, 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 an annoying loss, a missed opportunity. And I think reminds us of some of the issues that uh, had been, you know, 
had that have made us nervous to this point. And now it's a matter of kind of getting back to the things that made them effective. One being, you know, getting more wings out there more often and, uh, and, you know, being up playing defense, suffocating the other team. My last point on this one has to do with Gabe Vincent. And, uh, you know, I have wondered what the rotation would look like, but this is the kind of game that Gabe would have really helped in. I think he sees the game a little closer to the way a traditional point guard does. Um, he is a lot steadier, I think, at least on the defensive side of things than D'Angelo Russell is. And so like in a game like this, if you have Vincent, you play Vincent a few more minutes and Russell winds up playing like maybe as low as 10 to 15 because he was just bad. Like it was a, it was a very bad D'Angelo Russell game. Um, bad shot selection, some stupid lazy turnovers, uh, defensively, just not very engaged and, and focused, not physical enough to, to go out and grab rebounds and stuff like that. And in a game like this, like you could, if you have Vincent, just get him out of there. Right. Um, and, you know, we'll see what that looks like in, in the next, you know, week or so if, and when Vincent is actually available and ready to go. Um, but, but yeah, in, in this one, this is a, a bad D'Angelo Russell game. And, you know, I see a lot of people saying like, get this guy out of here, get this guy out of here, get one, you can't, you know, for another few days or so. And two, the Lakers are not going to until they get, more of a, a sample size with more of their roster. That means getting Gabe back. That means having Vanderbilt for more, you know, than a few games where he's playing on a minutes restriction. The Lakers aren't going to make any roster decisions unless some team just gives them some ridiculous offer. Um, the Lakers are not going to make any choices or any, 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 you know, actual changes to their roster until, you know, as we get closer to January or February, and, and that means that the guys that they have right now have to get healthier and then have to execute and have to play better. This is just, this one kind of comes down to, I think there are some coaching issues, but I think this one is more on the players. This was the, the guys taking a night off and hoping to be able to flip that switch, going to try to flip that switch and not being able to, in part because of some personnel decisions on the court, but also because in the NBA, if you rely on flipping that switch and you don't respect the other team enough, you're going to get bit. And they did. All right. That is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers lowdown. Uh, we have another game tonight. By the time you guys are listening to this uh, against the San Antonio Spurs, I will be back on all access Lakers to watch that uh, with, with the guys there. So check us out there, playback.tv slash Lakers, And then immediately following the game, I will be right back here, either with a guest or by myself. Whatever it is, I will see you guys um, right back here in the lounge. So until then, and until the next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a great rest of your day. Make somebody else's. And for the love of God, please guard Dante Exum. He made another three while I've been talking. Guard him, please.